Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Daniel. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for making this possible for us, going to the cross, opening our eyes spiritually so we could have a new life and change, Lord, into your image, become more and more like you and less and less like ourselves and the devil. Lord, we're grateful for that. Thank you for saving us and doing for us which we could never, ever do for ourselves. All glory and honor goes to our Lord. We're grateful for that. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, one body, many parts to keep this going. If you have a cell phone, please put it on silent or vibrate so it does not disturb tonight's service. And let's always start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity tonight, Lord, to gather together to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and study your word, Lord, so we can get a deeper relationship with you, Lord, as we go into the book of Daniel and all the prophetic words and all the dreams, Lord, and how all the things we can glean from it, Lord, tonight. Let us be open-hearted and open-minded, Lord. Let us clear ourselves from the day, Lord, and the world so we can get a crystal clear message through your word by your spirit, Father. And we pray for the people that are sick, like Giselle and George and Doreen, and the other people in the ministry, but night my feeling well, Eric, whatever, whoever it might be. We pray for them, Lord, knowing that there's a reason that you do everything, Lord, to draw them closer to you. Help us always to become better, Lord, and not bitter, Lord, as you chasten us and discipline us and transform us into your image, Lord, so we could glorify you and build your kingdom, Father. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord, but he's going to come up. Shut the mouth of the lions. Bring down the 
Take me through the fire, huh? Well, how that connects with Daniel somehow? <laughs> right. Amen. All right, how's everybody doing tonight, all right? Better now, right? <laughs> Got a lot of soldiers in here. We've been here for four in a row, five in a row for some of them. Can't get enough of this, I'll tell you. Strengthens us, you know. Definitely need it. The world's getting crazier and crazier. I can't wait to come to church. The way things are out there, right? People are just going nuts. All right, let's begin in Matthew chapter 19. got us in verse 16, but we're not going to 16. We go to 13. 
As a reminder, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures. This will no longer be me, but the Holy Spirit. So please prepare your minds, clear your hearts to receive the message. The Spirit is trying to save the church tonight. Amen? Try to stay focused. There's a lot of ground to cover in Daniel. So we can get this ingrained in us. Okay, verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. One of the main things that stops people from really having a relationship with Jesus is understanding that they got to become like a kid again and forget the intellectual smartness and how good they are and how smart they think they are. And they got to become like a child again with an open mind and let Jesus teach them from the ground up all over again and empty ourselves from the world. And if you can't do that, then you're never going to have that solid relationship with Jesus. Now let's look at the rich man. Verse 16. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And he's quoting Exodus 20 verses 12 to 16, Deuteronomy 5, 16 to 20, and Leviticus 19, 18. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect or mature, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world could be saved? Can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. So he's saying you can't save yourself. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. You can't save yourself. It's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? Jesus replied, I assure you, 
that when the world is made new or in the regeneration and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Or the many who will be first will be last, and the last will be first. Now there's a lot there to understand. You say, why is it so hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom? Because somebody that's rich has all their needs met down here. So it's very hard for them to say, I'm just going to give up everything and believe in Jesus and follow him because all their needs are met and they don't really have any need. But when somebody's broken, they go right after Jesus because they have nothing. That's why he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than somebody to go wholeheartedly all in for God. Can I get any men here? That's why sometimes it's not the best thing in the world to be rich because that keeps you from having any lack or any need for Jesus. All right, I got one for us now. How's that? There's a lot there. I can go on all night just in that scripture. Let's go to Isaiah 55. We're going to go in verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Big amen there. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 10, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Amen. So God's word, when it goes forward, it reaches way more than we could think. And God, his thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. So don't try to figure God out. Just let him, let him run your life. He knows better than you. He knows just what he's doing. He runs our life perfectly. When we get in the way of that, we end up throwing a monkey wrench in there. Again, amen. So we're going to turn our lives and not put our faith in him. He knows the best course. 
He knows the beginning from, he knows from the, the, the beginning to the end. We don't. We're very finite. We're in the moment. We don't know what God's doing, but He knows what He's doing. In the end, we're going to come out more and more refined like Jesus if we handle the situations better. And get me men here. Alright. Now we're going to go to the book of Daniel. Hmm, you ready? Does everybody remember where we were? The last verse. <laughs> yeah. Daniel chapter 3, verse 30. Let's back up a little. Let's get this, let's get this one again about the furnace. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Now the hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell the smoke. Imagine, they must have been like, what the heck is going on here? These guys are just, I mean, the guys that were putting fuel in the fire get killed. That's how hot it was. These guys walked out of there like it was nothing with somebody else with them. Jesus. That's, that's something. That, what's the, what's the, what's the, what can we grasp out of that? Whatever fire you're in, Jesus can take us out, get us out of that fire without, a, without being singed or anything going on if we trust them. They trusted God. They said, listen, we're not going to bow to your other gods and he'll rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. But anyway, he did. Okay, God came through. And he'll come through for you too if you really trust him and obey him. For sure, thank you. You know, you have to trust and obey. There's no better way to be happy in Jesus. To be a happy, joyful Christian, you have to trust God no matter what he's doing in your life. You have to be all in with this too. You can't be half-hearted about it. It just won't work. All right, look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Right? They were willing to die. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. And there's a fact right there. There is no other God that can rescue us out of any fiery trial or any situation in our lives. Can I get any men there? There's so much to glean here. 
All right, before we go on, Nebuchadnezzar was not making a commitment here to serve the Hebrews' God alone, okay? Instead, he was acknowledging that God is powerful, okay? And he commanded his people not to speak against God. Nebuchadnezzar didn't tell the people to throw away all the other gods, but to add this one to the list, okay? Nebuchadnezzar didn't say, all right, there's no other God, that's it, nobody can serve any other one, okay? He didn't say that, so... We can't um, say that he was instantly a believer. In verse 30, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So now the question remains, where was Daniel in this story? Where was Daniel? Well, let's, let's see if we can speculate, maybe, Okay. The Bible doesn't say, okay? But here are some possibilities, okay? Let's look into this. He may have been on official business in another part of the kingdom. He might not have been around at that point, right? Or two, he may have been present, but because he was a ruler, the officials didn't accuse him of not falling down and worshiping the image. Three, he may have been in the capital city handling the administration while Nebuchadnezzar was away. Four, he may have been considered exempt from bowing down to the image because of his reputation for interpreting dreams through his God. So we might have got a pass. Whether Daniel was there or not, we can be sure that he would not have worshipped the statue, for sure. Okay? God's deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was a great victory of faith for the Jews in captivity. Okay, They were protected from harm. They were comforted in trial. God was glorified and they were rewarded. Let us determine to be true to God no matter how difficult the pressure or punishment. God's protection transcends anything we could imagine. He's going to protect us, believe me. Especially, you know, a lot of churches, you know, they're really not rooted in the Bible anymore. This church is. So we're naturally going to get more persecuted and more attacked. But we're well educated here and we're well versed in the Bible so that we're not going to just like melt and fall away. We have a lot of that stuff in our hearts. And we're not going to bow down to anything. Amen? And we're not going to let, we're not going to accept sin through the door. We accept sinners, but we don't accept the sin. Amen? We come with repentant hearts. Because we don't want, the Bible says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if you let sin into the church, it starts to permeate, and then you get a sinful church instead of a what? A clean, pure bride. So what are we here? We're all about confession, repentance, transformation, you know what I'm saying? And repentance from our sin, nature. None of us are perfect, but we don't come in here and practice sin anymore. We're not into practicing sin. We're into practicing what? Holiness and, and cleanliness. And it's something that we're growing into. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? All right, let's break in the chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar's dream about a tree. Okay, verses 1 and 3 are numbered in Aramaic text for some reason. So we can get into this after. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world, 
Peace and prosperity to you. Now, I just want to let you know that Daniel chapter 4 was written by King Nebuchadnezzar. He wrote this chapter. The only chapter in the, in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar wrote this chapter. He just says it right here. He said, peace and prosperity to you. I want you to know all about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. See? Nebuchadnezzar speaking here. He's the, it's the only chapter that he speaks. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule through all generations. Now before we go on, although Nebuchadnezzar praised the Most High God, now listen up, he neither believed in God alone nor submitted to him. Okay? The king had witnessed Daniel's interpretation of his dream, the rescue of the three men from the blazing furnace, and the appearance of a fourth man walking in the fire. Indeed, the king's emotion bubbled over to praise God for it all. Okay? But the king was only praising God for the wonders he had seen, not because of any deep conviction. There's a difference here. When you hear someone claiming to be a Christian, check whether that person demonstrates deep conviction of sin and submission to God's word and authority or whether he or she is just speaking words of approval about God without the conviction to follow him exclusively and wholeheartedly. Big difference. That's why, unfortunately, the church isn't full right now. Because when people are all in, they follow him wholeheartedly. They just can't get enough of God. So then you wonder, is everybody in the church saved? I can't say. I can't say. Only God knows everybody's heart. I can't say. Just because you come to church don't mean you're going to heaven. It has nothing to do with it. Okay. I, look at verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrified me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, or Chaldeans and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. Now, this sounds like a contradicting. And before I said, he didn't tell them the dream, remember? He said, he didn't tell them the dream. Sounds like a contradiction, right? But he's not talking about the same dream, that's why. It's a different dream he's talking about. But it sounds like a contradiction. He told them the dream, but they couldn't tell him what it meant. There was, that was the dream about the statue. This is the dream about the tree. Watch the difference. You got to catch these things or people can find contradictions in the Bible. It's not a contradiction. So I issued an order, look at verse 6, calling the wise men of Babylon to tell me what the dream meant. When all the magicians, the chanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. See, he told Daniel a dream. He was named Belteshazzar after my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. 
Now tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, he's telling him the dream now. See, that's how you know Nebuchadnezzar's talking in this scripture. He's writing this down. While I was laying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. See, I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then, as I was there dreaming, I saw a messenger, in Aramaic, a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, Cut down the tree and lop off its branches, shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field for seven periods of time. Let him have the mind of a wild animal instead the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messenger or the watchers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and he gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest people. Now, before we go on, There's a lot here. Okay, in verse 17, one of the most difficult things humans can do is sincerely live every day with the conviction that our Most High God rules over all. He is truly sovereign over everyone and everything. He limits the power and authority of all the government, business, and religious leaders in the world. Those who enjoy freedom and high degree of autonomy will likely find this more difficult to internalize than those who do not. While we may feel as though we are free to do what we please, forge our own rules, or determine our own futures, these are false and futile beliefs because God is ultimately sovereign over all our plans and desires. Can I get an amen there? So sometimes you just don't see it that way. But he is. He gives us the ability to do everything that we do. And when we take credit for it, that is pride, the height of pride and arrogance. Because we know it's only God who does it. He's the one who gives it to us. And he's the one who gets glorified. There's the plaques on the wall should be all for Jesus, not for people. That's why it's so hard to understand when people get glorified and honored. Everybody, yeah, oh, they did so good. No, God worked through them to do the good. It was God. Everything that happens in this church is from God. He's the one who does it. He gives me the ability to do this. He gives me the ability to go to work. He gives me the ability to pray. He gives me the ability to pray over people to help them heal. It's not me. It's God working through me. 
And whatever he's doing in your life and all the gifts you have, have families and jobs and, and positions and authority, goes to God and don't ever forget it. Don't ever take credit for what God does for you. Give him the glory. Because if not, it'll happen what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. Because as we keep going on, we're going to see why Nebuchadnezzar got knocked down. Because he's the one who thought he was doing it. When all the while it was God who gave it to him. <laughs> okay. Verse 18. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me. Why can he tell me? Because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. He didn't say because Daniel was good. He said because God was in him. See, even, even Nebuchadnezzar knew it was God, not Daniel. So Daniel explains the dream. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. Now before we go on, in verse 19, when Daniel understood Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he was stunned. Why? And he wondered how to break the news. He told the king he wished that the dream foreshadowed would happen to the king's enemies and not to Nebuchadnezzar. How could Daniel be so deeply grieved at the fate of Nebuchadnezzar, the king who was responsible for the destruction of Daniel's home and nation? Daniel had forgiven Nebuchadnezzar. That's why. And so God was able to use Daniel. You see it? If you can't forgive, God can't use you. Very simple. It's right here. Daniel had forgiven Nebuchadnezzar, and so God was able to use Daniel. So if there's unforgiveness in your heart, God can't use you. Often, when we have been wronged by someone, we find it difficult to forget the past. We may even be glad when that person suffers. Forgiveness means putting the past behind us. Can you love someone who has hurt you? Can you serve someone who has mistreated you? Ask God to help you forgive, forget, and love. God may use you in an extraordinary way in that person's life. Because let me tell you someone, somebody hurts us and you can forgive them and, and forget and love them, they will see Jesus because they know it's not humanly possible for us to do that. That's when they see Jesus. When you forgive, forget, and love them. And God will use you. And that's why you might win them over to Jesus. Who knows? Okay, let's interpret the dream now. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. 
That tree, your majesty, is you. All right? The dream's coming. Look. The dream, he's interpreting the dream now. So let's get an understanding. Let's pay attention now. The dream, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and browns, and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what the dream means. Your majesty... And what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society. And you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. And you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. Why? Until you learn. That the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. You see what it says there? It says, what did it say? Seven times? What is seven in the Bible? Completion. Do you really get why this happened to you? And understand why it happened. And now um, Daniel's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar that, you know, that can, that can change if you repent, you know. But he doesn't. Watch. Let's keep going here. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Now Daniel's going to give him advice. Because Daniel knows the God of heaven. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. So what's God trying to tell us? Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. Now, Daniel warned them, most of the time, people warn us. Don't go down that road. Just because God's not chasing you or you're not getting in trouble doesn't mean judgment's not coming. Turn while you can. If you're doing something that's out of God's will, turn around before it happens. Because it will happen, trust me. Your sin will always find you out. And now look what it says. Twelve months later, verse 29, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. That's like me saying, looking up over everything, said, Look what I did. I got this church back in line. Everybody's coming again. I restored the church. I would be so stupid to say that because the next thing that will happen is I'll lose it. Because it's God who brought it over. 
I was just a vessel. It had nothing to do with me. Amen? I'm never going to say that because I already know. Look what happened to him. If it happened to him, it happened to anybody. So don't get prideful. A lot of people, have, I, I see prideful Christians and I say, I guess you don't understand God or the Bible. Because pride comes before the fall. And it will come. Now, oh boy. <laughs> While these words were still in his mouth, look at verse 31, they were still in his mouth. A voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. Now, what can I give you for, as an example here? He will, if you get cocky, he will break you and break you and put you in a severe depression until you realize that God is the one that does everything in your life. He will do that to all of us. Who do you think? Look, depression, oppression, all that comes from God. He's the one who gives it. And he's the one who takes it away. What did he do to Saul? Saul disobeyed him, right? He put a tormenting spirit in him. Took out the Holy Spirit and put a tormenting spirit in him. Why? Because he disobeyed God. So don't think that you can disobey God and have the Holy Spirit making you happy and joyful. It ain't going to work. You're going to get tormented. Then when you understand why you're getting tormented, until you learn to humble yourself before the Lord, stop blaming other people for your problems, accept it, repent, and move on. And then maybe he'll let you out of that. Because we're the ones who cause it. Can I get an amen here? Then everybody reaches for a world for a solution to feel better. No, you feel better when you get right with God. Big amen here, right? Now look what it says. Verse 33. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled. And Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow. And he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers. And his nails were like bird's claws. Now... Now, you have to understand, he was still living in, in, in Babylon. So just imagine what the people were saying, okay? He's still the king, right? He's like grunting on the ground. He's like eating like a cow. He's eating like a cow. The grass, his nails are like claws. People might be saying, what the heck's going on here? Think about it. Now, people had to see it. <laughs> Tell me he wasn't humiliated, right? Now listen, before we go on, Daniel pleaded with Nebuchadnezzar to change his ways. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to do it. Listen now, God gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to turn. Unfortunately, the heart of this proud king held no repentance. So the dream was fulfilled. How many times does God give us so much room to turn from the ways we're on until we don't listen to them, we think we're getting away with it, and then what? Judgment comes. 
And he's trying to tell us, don't, I'm giving you grace and mercy to turn. Do it before judgment comes. It's just, it, the, the reaping and sowing principle is never going to go away. As a believer, you should understand these principles. Say, look, if you're doing something that's not right, that nobody knows about, only you and God do, turn from it before it comes public. Because it will become public. And then you get humiliated. You can't get an amen, get an ouch. Because everybody knows we got things that nobody knows about going on. Nah, Quiet, right? Let me tell you something. We don't get away with anything as Christians. We think we do. We're not going to get away with it. All right. Verse 34. Nebuchadnezzar praises God. He praises God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, two things could have happened from this. Nebuchadnezzar could have got bitter. He said, look, I can't believe God did this to me. Did he get bitter? No, he didn't get bitter. He got better. Look what he did. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. How many Christians go the other way when that happens to them? God breaks them, wants them to repent and turn to him. What do they do? They leave the church saying, why would God do that to me? I'm a good person. Instead of understanding that God was trying to show them there's something wrong with your heart. And people walk away. Two things can happen. You can get bitter or better. Look up to God and say, Lord, I repent. It's only you can do this like Nebuchadnezzar did. How many people turn and go the other way? Because you know what they use? Their religion. I go to church, I read my Bible. It doesn't matter if you go to church and read your Bible. If you're living sinful, that has no effect. It doesn't do anything. That doesn't cover it. That does not cover it. And people think penance pays back. You can't make it right by going to church. You make it right by turning from it and changing. Christians, what is it? They're just uneducated. They just don't want to hear it. Why? Nobody teaches that. Why? Because we don't want people to leave. But I can't do that. I can't, I can't lie and tell you that it's going to be all right. Look, if you're living sinful as a Christian, you're going to face more judgment than the unbelieving world. Because you know better. And you're, you're actually rolling the dice with God. Are you kidding me? You really think you're that, that, you're that arrogant enough to realize that if you're doing something wrong and getting away with it, that you're going to be able to keep doing it and get away with it for the rest of your life without getting chastened by God? Are you kidding me? Smarten up. That's just a fair warning to anybody that might be living the wrong way in secret because God's going to reveal it. It's pretty scary. Fair warning. That's because he loves us. Okay. Verse 34. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven... My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. Now, before we go on, ancient kings tended to avoid mentioning their weaknesses or defeats in their monuments and official records. From Nebuchadnezzar's records, however, we can infer that for a time during his 43-year reign, he did not rule. 
The Bible explains what happened, recording the story of Nebuchadnezzar's pride and punishment. Verse 35. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Look at what he's saying now. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Like I said, he wrote this chapter. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. See, God is what? In the restoration business. He repented, he turned, he put him in a higher position than he was already. Okay, as we, before we keep going now, we're going to finish this chapter tonight. Nebuchadnezzar's pilgrimage with God is one of the themes of this whole book. In 247, he acknowledged that God revealed mysteries to Daniel. In 328-29, he praised the God who rescued Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego but despite Nebuchadnezzar's recognition that God exists and works great miracles, in 430, we see that he still does not acknowledge God as his Lord. Okay? We may recognize that God exists and does wonderful miracles, but so do many unbelievers. Listen up now. To be a child of God, you must invite him to rule over your life. There's a difference. Even unbelievers know that God does miracles. It has nothing to do with it. You want to be a child of God? You must let God rule over your life. Jesus has to become the ruler over your life. And that's what sanctification is all about in church. He's what? He's molding us and shaping us into the image of Jesus as he takes us through life on our journey to heaven. He makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. That's the whole reason why he saved us. Now look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. That came right from Nebuchadnezzar's mouth. Okay? Now listen. Before we close, although much of the world's thought that Nebuchadnezzar was a mighty, even divine king, God demonstrated that Nebuchadnezzar was an ordinary man, just like everybody else. The king would go insane and become like an animal for a set period of time, seven to be exact. God humiliated Nebuchadnezzar to show that almighty God, not Nebuchadnezzar, was the lord of the nations. The more powerful a person becomes, the greater the risk of self-centered pride will push God from his or her life. Pride may be one of the most dangerous temptations you will face as a Christian. Don't let your accomplishment cause you to forget God. Daily, humble yourself. Rely on him. When you learn to rely on his strength rather than your own, you will be able to accomplish Far more than you ever thought possible. How about a big amen there? And what you achieve will have a far greater purpose and impact in the lost and dying world. How about an amen there? When we do it his way. 
All right, we're going to close there. Dave, you want to come up and close us in prayer tonight? And then we're going to do a video. What a great message that was tonight. So good. Um, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity just to, to get this midweek break to get us out of the world, Lord, to receive this uh, awesome message that Pastor had prepared for us tonight. I'm so grateful and thankful to you for this church and this congregation, Lord. It's truly joyful just to be able to come into your house and worship you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that we can take what we learn here, use it, and apply it to our lives each day, Lord. And that you can give us the strength to live in the Spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. Because there's nothing, so we can get rid of uh, anything of this world. And truly live the life that you called us to live, which is something we can never do in our flesh, Lord. And I pray you continue to watch over this congregation, Lord, and anyone who's sick or going through anything, that you reassure them that you're with them and you'll never leave them or forsake them. And I pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right.